This podcast contains adult language and mature themes, which may not be suitable for all listeners. So listen at your own fucking risk. Essential NPCs, the podcast where we sample some of the best and possibly some of the worst tabletop RPGs. I'm Addie. And I'm Tommy. And you're listening to Series 5, Episode 19, Calm Before the Storm. And let's start it off with some announcements. First big announcement. You know it's coming. We're going to say it anyways. Today is the last day for you to submit your questions for post game chatter. Go ahead, listen to this episode. And then at the end, take some time, uh, send us an email to EssentialNPCsPodcast at gmail.com or reach out to us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. We're at EssentialNPCs on all of those social medias. And hit us with your questions. Uh, You can ask us about the series in general. You can ask us about Shadowrun. You can ask us about basically anything related to the podcast or RPGs. Just shoot us some questions. We love this back and forth between us and the listeners. If you submit a question to Postgame Chatter, we will answer it at the end of the finale next week. So today's the deadline. Send in the questions before the end of the day. And speaking of next week, um, there will be no words with the GM because of post-game chatter. So this episode is the last Shadowrun episode with words with the GM. Goodbye. (laughs) Uh, And because we're coming to the end of our Shadowrun series and moving on to Atomic Highway and then 7C, we wanted to give you a couple of Shadowrun podcasts to soothe your souls after we don't have any more content for you for Shadowrun, as we'll be uh, leaving it for a time yeah i imagine that um most of our listeners already uh are aware of many of the shadowrun podcasts out there but for those of you who just kind of got into shadowrun because you started listening to our podcast there's a ton of shadowrun podcasts out there they're all really great there's actual plays there's information there's learn to plays there's a whole community out there for for shadowrun based podcasts uh the big one the one that everyone should know right off the bat is there is a podcast called the arcology Check them out. They are not only a great podcast for actual plays and uh, kind of learn to play sessions where they talk about like basic rules and how they work, um, but also they're great for finding other Shadowrun podcasts. Very often during the beginning of their episodes, they'll list off other podcasts. They gave us a couple shout outs before in the past. So here's a shout out for them. Go ahead and listen to the Arcology. It's important that you do that because I'm going to forget almost all of the Shadowrun podcasts that are out there. (laughs) Um, Other ones I can think of off the top of my head, there's Hidden Grid, Relative Dimension, Critical Glitch. Milk Run. Uh, And then one particular one I also want to tip my hat to, uh, for all of you out there who are considering a running Shadowrun and you're, you're feeling a little overwhelmed about like, the world, because there's so much to it. I mean, you get little snippets of the lore from different parts of different rule books. Uh, there's also novels you can read, and then there's always you know the Wikipedia you can look at. But there's there's only one place I've found where you can find all of the lore of the Shadowrun world, kind of consolidated into one location in an easy to consume way, and that's on the Neo Anarchist podcast. Uh, which is run by Opti, who's kind of a legend in the Shadowrun 
well, universe, but also uh, the podcasting universe. Uh, he makes giving all this information or receiving all this information uh, really fun. I know that Tommy listened to a whole bunch of it. Yeah, it was really helpful for me to wrap my head around the actual lore of Shadowrun. Uh, if it wasn't for him, there's no way I would have even been close to having an appropriate Shadowrun canon for the podcast, which I definitely broke by crashing Zurich Orbital. Yeah, you just totally <laughs> blew that out of the water. But like, I knew a little bit more about Zurich Orbital before <laughs> I did. My hope is that because Shadowrun got voted in a second time, that that means that a lot of our listeners have already started dabbling in Shadowrun. Uh, if not, you should. It's a really fun system to play. Yeah, um, and actually, that's a really great segue into our words with the GM Hello. topic today. Hello, GM. Hello. <laughs> this words with the GM Hello. is about series five, episode eighteen, "The Ties That Bind." Pretty heavy episode. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, it is. A lot of stuff went down. So it was a pretty sad ending. I wish I could say I'm sorry, but I'm not because I like good stories. <laughs> <laughs> but there is there is one thing uh, worth uh, really touching on, a little small GM trick that when I re-listened to the episode, I caught and thought to myself, I have to mention that in words with a GM. And it was uh, it was the moment Nim and Boomer finally like got to the mouth of the sewer and uh, they were about to go in, just the two of them, and didn't think to call the rest of the team in. I knew that that was a bad idea. I mean, can you imagine what would have happened if Nim and Boomer had gone in there by themselves? Yeah, there would be two more funerals. <laughs> so I, uh, I quickly leapt into action with my GM hat and had an NPC conveniently call them and ask for an update. <laughs> I just had Brent go, oh, what's going on? Oh, you're going into a sewer. That seems like a thing for maybe the whole team to do. Let's get the whole team over there. Everyone <laughs> go in. Please, everyone go. It's something that I did basically to remove the onus of putting the party back together on the players. It'd feel a little like weird for like a player to try to like super inject themselves into a scene uh, like that because of player knowledge, not so much because of in-world knowledge. But I, as the GM, don't have to worry about that. <laughs> <laughs> I use my out-of-game knowledge frequently. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a really useful tool to have uh, an NPC or five who can interrupt what the players are doing without it feeling um, weird, uh, especially when you've got that like one guy who's like off on a mission on their own or whatever and it's like oh actually a pigeon comes over and it's a letter from joe and joe says definitely don't go into the forest at night <laughs> like it's a good way to kind of give your players a nudge uh if you have built into the world uh characters who have a reason to uh interject their opinions into uh, what the players are doing, uh, which, of course, you know, players can just ignore, too, and they will frequently. <laughs> but uh, but for the most part, uh, it's good. It can at least clear your conscience as a, conscience as a GM. Uh, I'm curious, though. I want to know what your favorite part was. So my favorite part is um, actually sort of the culmination of a, of a long sort of thread um, because Boomer and Nim did not get along at first. And then this episode um, really showed how far they had come, you know, from being like people who ended up working together because of a common cause, but didn't really like or agree with each other for the most part to basically best pals, uh, road trip buddies, if you will. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's sort of rare to find that 
kind of character development. Um, you'll have people who are friendly become friends. You'll have people who are like have a bit of animosity, become more like antagonists to each other, even if they're staying in the party. Um, it's rare, I think, or rarer at least to have um, antagonistic people come together and then really become like buds. Um, and I think that, uh, I think that Brie and Covert were able to pull that off in a way that, um, I really appreciate. Yeah. It didn't feel heavy handed either. It just kind of happened naturally, which was really cool. Yeah. So that was my favorite part. What's yours? My favorite part was actually, it's a little bit more on the technical side of the podcast. And that was that it was great to get Roman back to do the cashmere scenes. Uh, there was one a couple episodes ago and then the one last episode, which of course was very important. It felt wrong to me uh, to have me just do a cashmere impression for those scenes. And so without having the ability to bring Roman in and have him sit in a corner for an entire recording session and then bring him in and have him and I just like riff off each other and like improvise those scenes, uh, I decided to bring him in a little bit more behind the screen. And when he had the time, uh, I had him come in and just record his lines. Um, but it's, it's different. It's different having a GM, pretend to be a PC that the players have played with and having the PC actually playing his character one final time. And so uh, my favorite part was the fact that due to the format of the podcast, I was able to, after we recorded the episode, have Roman come over late at night one night and just record him saying the line so that I could put him in to the episode for the final cut uh, so that the listeners could have the full impact of hearing actual cashmere going through this. And uh, Roman did a spectacular job. And it was it was really, really satisfying to listen to the scene again with with Roman actually saying the lines. Yeah. Having been in the room uh, when we recorded it, you know, it was upsetting, you know, to to watch cashmere's death and not be able to do anything. And then listening to the episode with Roman uh, playing Kashmir, it was like heartbreaking. It made all the difference. And I, I totally agree. That's that's like one of the things that we can do um, with the podcast is like, you know, special effects or whatever. And that kind of like plays into this. Um, and, you know, it's rare that we do that kind of stuff, but I, I think it made all the difference. Yeah, it was definitely a special occasion worth uh, worth doing a little bit of post editing. I didn't cry. You cried. I didn't cry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So hopefully, uh, hopefully you, the listeners, enjoyed that as well, as much as you could, given how terrible it all was. <laughs> um, uh, but again, good stories and fun. Uh, <laughs> but uh, the story is not done yet. Uh, we have one more episode today and one more episode next week. We're almost done with the series, guys. Remember, to, after you're done listening to this episode, shoot some questions our way. We'll answer them in post-game chatter after the finale. But without further ado, let's go ahead and move on in and listen to Series 5, Episode 19, Calm Before the Storm. Enjoy! It started how it always starts. New team, new Johnson new job except this time it was different first the runners you got mouse tiny sweet girl more than a little funny in the head 
But that doesn't matter much, considering she's the best fragging Decca I've ever seen. Then there's Kashmir. About as green as they come. Clearly out of his element. But when the gods were down, that boy proved to be one hell of a mage. Then you have Bumbles. Elf. Dryad. Uh, eccentric. If you're being polite, he commands an entire arsenal of drones with enough firepower to level a whole fragment city block. He's the kind of renner you hope you don't need on a job. But if you do, you're fragging glad to have him around. Then there's me, a big red oni named Boomer. My specialty is sneaking in, geeking anyone in the way, and, as the leader of the group, keeping those three in line. Next, the Johnson. On the surface, sounds pretty straightforward. Next runner called Pretty B. Fell off the grid a few years back, but I didn't ask why. I'm a professional. In our line of work, people are entitled to their secrets. Weird thing was, he was paying his hand over fist to help people. Had us clearing out ghouls from the sewers and Redmond, for frag's sake. Like I said, weird. But it's not often you get a line of jobs with a little bit of honor in them. So I was on board from day one. After a while, we earned Brin's, I mean Pretty B's, trust. And he let us meet his employer, Lawrence Whitmore. Mr. Whitmore was the last genuine anti-establishment businessman, according to my friend Doc. Publicly, Mr. Whitmore had retired a long time ago when he was, like, really young. But he didn't really. It was all a ruse. And in secret, he started shadow running against the corporations. When he got too old to keep running, he switched to being a Johnson and hired a team of runners to continue the work he started. But not us. We come way later. The runners he hired back then were Bryn's team. Bryn his sister Enna, an elf named Lario, and an adept named Jason Black. Bryn told us that all of them had died a long time ago, and that's why Mr. Whitmore was looking for a new team. And that's when he found us. We could continue his mission to protect those who couldn't protect themselves, especially from the corporations. I learned from Doc that when you have the chance to do something good for somebody else, you should do it. So, of course, I agreed to help. Unfortunately, no good deed goes unpunished, and no organization rises without inspiring a rival. Havoc 66 arose as a dark mirror to Whitmore and Bren's work, led by a madman called Hellion. It didn't take long before Hellion found out about us, and we learned that there was quite a lot that Whitmore wasn't telling us. Like that Hellion was actually the not-so-dead Jason Black the very one that used to run with Bryn. Hellion had turned on his old team, slaughtering them as he defected from Whitmore's cause, uh, which we would learn much later was because he wasn't just operating alone. See, the funny thing about magic is those of us who are able to harness it are as much under its influence as it is under ours. Hellion had gotten into bed with the wrong kind of spirit, a toxic one. Uh, the spirit drove him mad, uh, desiring only destruction. It took Whitmore's anti-corporation agenda and uh, perverted it, uh, causing Hellion to see violence as the only solution. But before we had a chance to prepare for the coming onslaught, Hellion made his move against the corpse and Whitmore. He broke into the estate and murdered Whitmore right in front of us. Then he stole Whitmore's personal shuttle, blasting off into space. 
as the alien had set into motion a series of events that gave him the opportunity to hit the corporations where it would hurt them the most. Now, the thing about AAA Corps is they're much too big to take down. That said, they did put quite a few of their eggs in one basket, Zurich Orbital Station. The station is, was, a seat of power for the AAAs. The Matrix, their bank, and even the corporate court was housed there. Like I said, a lot of eggs in one nice mid-sized space basket. Hellion's plan was to take over the station and crash it on Seattle. Not quite an extinction level event, but certainly a global catastrophe. Naturally, the only reasonable thing for us to do was follow him up into space and stop him. Which we did! Sort of. We definitely took Hellion out, just not before he had done enough damage to the station to send it careening earthward. But with a little help from Mouse, we managed to make the whole space station rigger interface. That's right, for a few glorious minutes, I was a space station. While rigged in, I had to break poor Zurich Orbital apart. It fell into the ocean in little bitty pieces, causing basically no damage at all. And we became global heroes. Except no one knows, because we're shadow runners, and the corpse would love to pin this on us. So we decided to lay low, in Whitmore's mansion. It was the only sensible choice. That's where we've been since then, keeping our heads down while Bryn lines up the next job. And that's where I come in. This crusade Whitmore started is more than just a mission. It's my legacy. My name is Nim, and Lawrence Whitmore was my father. Whitmore sacrificed everything for his crusade against the corpse, including his relationship with my mother, L'Oreal. I never understood how he could just neglect us for his greater purpose. When I was old enough to join his team, he didn't offer, and I didn't ask. Some people would consider that a lucky break for me if they knew what happened next. When Jason Black murdered my mother, I faked my death and fled overseas. And it wasn't even hard considering my ability to magically impersonate literally anyone I meet. I needed to start a new life as someone else, to get away from him and, well, everything. I never understood how important my father's mission was until after he died. And then it was too late. It wasn't really a decision to come back to Seattle. It was something else, an an imperative. I have to try to make things right in whatever way I can. I returned to the manor and met Bryn's new team. And apparently the mage they've been running with, this cashmere guy, ended up just like Jason. He turned toxic, betrayed his team, and ran away. I can understand why they've had some trouble trusting me. It took me this long to start letting people back into my life after a toxic mage tore it apart. Hopefully, they're not as slow on the uptake. The last time we left Crash 3.0, they had uh, found where Kashmir had recorded one of his final message logs. It was a bunker in southern Puyallup. Uh, The team went down there, searched around, and found both the partially completed spirit formula for the Great Corruptor and Kashmir's katana, uh, his weapon focus. Using the quickly fading astral signature of the weapon focus, Nim was able to stay up for a very long time with Boomer 
as they scoured Seattle with her ascensing and following this trail, eventually leading the team uh, to a sewer line that led under Akateko Industrial Waste Processing, uh, an old uh, out-of-business waste, uh, toxic waste facility. Uh, in the sewer, they ran into a couple glow rats, a couple rad hounds, and then Kuraga, much more powerful than he was when they saw him before, um, and much more terrifying. They... Uh, battled Kashmir's former plant spirit uh, turned barren toxic spirit uh, until he was dissipated. And then they climbed up into the Akateko facility to look at the camera logs and that's where they witnessed Kashmir being forced by the great corruptor to summon Eraga forth as a great form spirit. Additionally, Eraga seemed bound to the Great Corruptor's will uh, as she ordered Eraga to consume Kashmir, um, and Eraga did, and then Eraga vanished upon being given the order to go and open a, an astral gateway to the Great Corruptor's plan of existence so that she may finally physically set foot on this plane. For the first time in a very long time, as far as uh, as far as the team knows. So I assume you guys left Akateko in as quick a hurry as you could due to the heavy amounts of radiation that you were exposed to. Also, it was really yes. gross there. It was also very gross. Um, you guys can make it back to the manor quickly enough. Um, you can also go to the med bay there and uh, get decontaminated um, to rid yourself of the radiation that is lingering around on you. It takes a while. It's a it's a process, uh, or it's it's a somewhat timely process. Meanwhile, Bryn kind of gets the updates from you guys as to what happened. Uh, he seems quite a bit shocked to hear that Kashmir is in fact dead. Um, and also uh, at a bit of a loss for what to do next. Well, we've we've got most of the formula. Uh, I mean, I I don't really know what to do with it. But when we last talked to Grundlethug, he said that you know he wasn't able to completely end this. I I think we've got that now. So maybe if we bring that to him, he he'll know what to do with it. That s- seems. Like, a, yes, that's and we probably don't have much time. I mean, that video, the video where Kashmir died, that was three days ago, right? Yeah, according to the timestamp. Maybe uh, rest up and go to the care as quickly as possible. Nim and Boomer, you guys haven't slept yet. No, I would. Yeah, no, no. But I think is a great time to go do that now. I've. Got a nice decon bath, and I'm ready for bed. Yeah, maybe Nim and Boomer rest, and Bumbles and Mouse go to the care. Can we? Don't you? Do you? Do we need? Do you have to do magic to put the crystal? No, you just have to say the word. Oh, okay. Sure. I I mean, Uh, yeah, it's it's not quite that simple, but maybe. Yeah, can you show me again? Um, basically you got the formula a little bit ago. You're, you were able to decipher. It's not so much a formula, um, as much as it's like a a cryptic set of words, um, that it's not quite sporethial that it translates into. It's something older, um, and different. Uh, but what you 
it sounds like gibberish when you guys hear it. Uh, very like, f- like flowy and, and archaic sounding, but doesn't sound like any language you've ever heard before. Um, but you at least it's, it's partially the words that are said and then also the intention behind it. You say the words in that language, but the, you have to know that your intention when saying them is, uh, that you are speaking the phrase, I seek protection from the horrors that may come. Okay. So, um, I'm going to write it out phonetically for you. Um, it, it translates into, I seek protection from the horrors that may come. And so just keep that in mind as you read it out. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and then to traverse upwards, uh, from the care, you have to say a different phrase, similar sounding, but a little bit different. And the intention behind that one has to be, I will protect all from the horrors that have come. There we go. All right. That, that's the exit. That translates into, I will protect those from the horrors that have come. Got it. Cool. I've been repairing my drone body during this conversation. Sure. So you're, you're on a conference call because you're in the garage uh, directing all the arms of the garage to repair. Uh, go ahead and roll armorer. You get a plus three from your garage. Uh, that's seven hits. Okay. You heal up seven hit points. It takes you some time, but... Like I said, it's going to take them a while to decontaminate. And then you also do need to bring the drone body in for decontamination because it is also irradiated slightly. And and also your entire swarm. Basically everything that went down in the sewers there, you guys have to run through uh, the decontamination process. Uh, and uh, once, uh, once the Geiger counter stopped clicking, uh, you guys are good to go. You know, it says I'm clean, but I still don't feel clean. You know that feeling? Gross. No. 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 <laughs> <laughs> Boomer's already asleep. Uh, yeah, so um, while my walker's decontaminating, I drive me and Mouse to the care in spot. Okay. Following that same route that uh, D'Artagnan showed you, you leave UCAS, enter the Native American nations, and then park in the woods and walk the rest of the way to that clearing. And uh, you're just standing there in that clearing. So I say the phrase and think really hard about its meaning. And oh, and I hold Bumble's hand. In, oh, wait, no, He's, you're just in the RCC. Yeah, I'm just in your pocket. OK, I don't hold his hand because he doesn't have one. And um, and we and I put the necklace in the ground. Cool. Yeah. You say the phrase, you stick the crystal in, there's a humming sound and that, that, uh, those glyphs light up and start to, uh, fill your vision. Um, and there, you know, that high pitch, like, uh, hits you. And then when it, uh, reaches its peak, uh, you are now standing up on top of a, a pillar looking at the majesty that is Kothan care, uh, bumbles, you reboot. Huh? Huh? Where am I? <laughs> Who are you? <laughs> uh, so you are suffering at a minus two for a little while as uh, you are disoriented by the fact that you just got like hit with, uh, with a reboot. So I will take the long walk down and then up. Yeah. <laughs> you walk down the winding stairs, cross the bridge, and you start uh, heading up the large uh, staircase leading up to the uh, Temple of Elders. Mm-hmm. Okay. Takes you a little bit. Uh-huh. Uh, but you get there, and it's a bit tiring. Bumbles, you're just starting to shake off your disorientation. Oh, we're here now. The Matrix is weird here. Yeah, yeah I built it. 
that explains a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's definitely a lot. You look around like uh, you're standing out in the courtyard of the mansion, which is your perception of inside the RCC. And you're looking up at the at what would be the night sky. Um, and there's a lot less of those weird organic nodes around. There's only like a few of them. Uh, and there's a lot uh, the the usual steady like drifting uh, little lights. Um, there's only a few of those right now. Um, I knock. Okay. You go up to the giant doors of the, uh... It's only polite. (laughs) And you knock, and the doors open, and you look up into the face of a Sasquatch. Hi! Uh, he's wearing, uh, he's wearing robes and, like, a, a, a kind of a crown made of, uh, of vines. Um, and he looks down at you, and he, like, squints his, his, like, black eyes at you, and he goes... Yes. Um, is Grandmaster Grundlefug here? I need to talk to him. Perhaps. I do believe he might be busy. Yeah, he's a pretty busy guy. Is he? I I don't know. Perhaps I could take a message? Sure. The Great Corruptor is about to come into the world, and we think we have a way to stop him. How long do you think I'll have to wait? Right this way. <laughs> uh, he opens up the doors, like kind of looking at you awkwardly and, and gestures for you to come in. He's like, please, I will convene the council. Oh, okay. Thank you. Of course. We'll just wait here. And uh, uh, not really showing much emotion or anything, uh, uh, seeming pretty calm, he goes to collect the rest, of the, uh, uh, the rest of the elders. He walks down the doorway that leads to Grandmaster Grundlefug's chambers, it seems. Uh, and a few minutes later, or like a minute later, uh, Grundlefug comes wa- walking out kind of hurriedly. And he goes, Mouse. Hi. Uh, Elder Lug, I've never seen him that distraught. <laughs> <laughs> what did you say to him? Oh, I said that I gave him a situation update. I said that the great corruptor is about to come into the world and we think we are almost prepared to stop him. We have most of the formula. Uh, Grundlefug's like golden eyes like kind of like widen and he, he uh, kneels down to look you a little more square in the face and he goes, how, how is it you came by this information? Well, we, oh, wait, you know him, Kashmir. Um, it seems he was like fighting her and he kept on sensing her and that made him write down a formula and then when, but it's not complete, but it's almost complete. And then, and then he got eaten by a great Thunderbird toxic spirit. How does she plan to enter this plane of existence? With Eraga. Opening a gate. That would mean Eraga has been powered to be a great form spirit? That was the word that they used. I see. Where's the rest of your team? You came alone? No. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm down here. (laughs) (laughs) What? And he looks at your pocket. Oh, um, so (laughs) it turns out that Bumbles died. I'm a ghost now. (laughs) <laughs> but then the Matrix kind of resurrected him, and he's now an AI, but a good one. We and now he lives in my pocket sometimes. He, he just like, he kind of nods with that and goes, I've heard stranger things. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what of Nim and Boomer? 
Oh, well, we got like pretty radiation poisoned, so they're decontaminating. I see. You've been busy. It's been a long day. He tries to look uh, understanding at your pocket. Uh, <laughs> he goes, well, Elder Lou has... Uh, is is convening the council. Um, we should all meet in this chamber uh, to discuss our strategy uh, moving forward. Uh, when when did this take place? Three days ago. <sighs> we do not have much time. Do you have a plan moving forward before I before I speak with the council? Ooh, well, as you are, as it, your team has the most information. Sure, we were thinking. We should find where Araga is opening the gate and then stop him. And if we can't, figure out the last part of the formula and do the thing with the formula that makes her go away. Yes, anyone who is in possession of the formula can send the Great Corruptor back to her plane of existence and follow through that newly opened portal to then slay her. Though... The chances of, a, of returning from that task are minimal. Well. I think we sort of covered it all. I think so. All right. Is there something you, do you have questions? Uh, any thoughts I have, I will share when the council convenes, which should only be in a few moments. Uh, please excuse me. If you wait here, uh, uh, we should all be prepared uh, to discuss this. Um do you are you comfortable speaking? Other the, he looks down at your pocket. Two of you. Oh, he's seeing through my contact, so you can just look at me. Okay. Yeah. Are the two of you comfortable speaking on behalf of your team? Yeah, of always. Colonel <laughs> 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 Fug nods, uh, stands up, and returns to his door. Um, and really only like a couple minutes later, uh, uh, doors start opening on the, that elevated terrace where there's all those, uh, those, uh, thrones or, uh, like stone, uh, and wood, um, chairs and, uh, each slowly, each chair is filled with an elder. Um, you recognize the Sasquatch known as elder Lug. Uh, he comes in, uh, looking just as like stoic as before. Uh, he sits down in a, a chair made out of what looks like the root of a tree. And uh, you also recognize um, Elder Mazashi Mako, who comes up and sits on like a chair without like a back, just like a circular uh, pad. Uh, she crosses her legs as she does. Uh, and then uh, after all eight chairs except for Grundlefugs have been filled, uh, Grundlefug does uh, enter. Uh, his chair is in the center. It is the largest. It seems like it's made of like roots built upwards to make the shape of a chair, and they have like kind of blossoming leaves and flowers on them. Um, and like there is a gem inset in the back that glows a slight blue color. He uh, sits down and uh, says uh, to everyone in the room. You have all been made aware of this situation. Um, we are convening here to discuss what to do with, uh, with the tools we have at hand. What we have always feared might happen appears like it, it, will, it is going to come to pass. Only the care and this team of Shadowrunners seems equipped to stand in the way of the Great Corrupter. He says, uh, Mouse, Bumbles, uh, if I may suggest, I 
have spent my very long existence learning what little there is to know about the Great Corrupter and preparing myself to face her again. Unfortunately, I know not where she will open her astral gateway, and I and she's always been able to hide her intentions from my methods of detection. I fear that I will only know where the gateway is once it has been opened. It should be a rather obvious spectacle. However, I would suggest that we use the wellspring of life. It may serve uh, to help us because not only are we fighting a great unraveler who will undoubtedly be on this plane of existence before we can prepare our attack, uh, but we are also fighting a great form spirit, tainted by toxic magic, but originally comprised of a spirit of the Thunderbird, I believe. That is correct. We here at the, at the Care have been studying the Wellspring as, uh, since you brought it in, uh, Mouse. We've been able to understand a bit of its properties, and I believe there is a ritual we can use that may serve to turn the Wellspring into a weapon against the negative energies of beings attuned to the Corruptor's plane of existence. Its efficacy against the Corruptor maybe non-existent, but against a great form spirit that has grown from a rather typical spirit, it, it may have marked effects. I know of only a few beings in existence currently who are capable of wielding the power of the Wellspring. Unfortunately, I am not one of them. Not anymore. The magic I use to protect the care and protect those who serve the care drains me. And I lost the ability to harness items of great power long ago. Uh, as far as the other creatures I know who are alive in this world who could harness the power, I trust only one of them. And his eyes like, move away from the other elders who he's speaking to and looks directly at you, Mouse. I wait expectantly <laughs> when he tells me who it's going to be. <laughs> I cannot wield it. However... Mouse, according to both yourself and the new citizen of the care known as Echo, uh, the clone program that birthed you uh, seemed to have thought that you were the final uh, missing piece to the genetic composition needed for a metahuman to withstand the energy of the Wellspring. Do I understand this correctly? I mean, that's that's what it said. That's Yeah, that's pretty spot on. Yeah, but I'm not magic. I don't know that I, I know how to make magic things. Think of yourself more as a device we may use to channel the energy of the Wellspring. Some of, uh, some of the elders here may be able to perform the ritual to power the crystal. It is a complicated one, and one that we can only do in the heat of battle if we want to be able to use it as a weapon. But if you are holding it, we can then use the, the powered crystal to hopefully stop this great form spirit in its tracks. Obviously, we are not certain of any of this. We don't know if you can handle it. We just assume based on the data that... The, the science. You, based on science? Yes. Yeah. Which, when it comes to magic, science may not always win out. You're telling me. <laughs> <laughs> However, if you feel comfortable with that responsibility, I believe once I know where the, where the gateway opens, I can leave the care. And 
an elder who volunteers could perform the ritual, I myself will engage the great corrupter to buy you time. You and your team will have to handle the great form spirit, at least to delay it and whatever else the corrupter throws at you while the ritual is being completed. Simultaneously, we're going to need someone to finish that formula. Once the formula is complete, we can, we can reopen the rift and send the corrupter back through, at which point I can follow her and finish this once for all. Um, so I'm not magic. I'm assuming some of you are very powerful magicians. Yes. Yes. You assume correctly. Okay. I tend to deal in conventional firepower and just sort of, let's, you know, say this plan doesn't all go perfectly. Do you guys, do you guys have like big guns? Because we killed a spirit with a lot of guns. Yes, a spirit. One different from an unraveler. Right, no. Not the... I, that seems silly to try and shoot the unraveler, but, like, the other one, if the ritual goes sideways... Oh, yes, of course. If you may defeat it through conventional means, definitely. Uh, right, I, so I'm sort of asking, like... What do you guys have on that end of things? Because, like, ritual to power up magical artifact of legend and, you know, that's great. I hope it works. If it doesn't, we could use some help because the last spirit was rather large and hard to kill. And this one seems bigger. Yes. Unfortunately, here in the care, we do not have such conventional means. This, our, our weaponry is dated, to say the least. Or we rely mostly on the uh, impenetrable nature of the city to protect us we are not warriors unfortunately and then uh mazashi mako chuckles and goes speak for yourself (laughs) (laughs) i volunteer to perform the ritual assuming that mouse and her team can protect me while i do it and she winks at mouse um i wink back (laughs) (laughs) um if you're gone who keeps the care going? The other elders do have knowledge of the magic that keeps the care intact. The crystal that powers most of the care has enough energy left in it. We may, for a time, lose the ability to protect our denizens from the Unraveler's magic. Uh, though I do believe that, given enough time, the elders can... Uh, share that burden amongst themselves, a burden that I've borne solely all these years. It is not an easy thing I ask of you, he says to the other elders, and then Mako uh, goes, fine by me. One, uh, one human who uh, seems like he's in his late 60s says, perhaps uh, Elder Mako should stay, and I should be the one doing the ritual. As you are the most senior elder after Elder Lug and... Grundlefug, it only makes sense that we keep you here as you know, or as you are most attuned to the care's necessities. Uh, which of you's better at magic? Uh, <laughs> the guy who spoke, like, looks at you like affronted, and Mako goes, Also, you don't know how to, how to hold your own in a fight, uh, Ramsey. Shut your mouth and let the adults talk. <laughs> I'll take her for my team, please. <laughs> Uh, and then another, uh, an, the orc female, uh, who you can see has, uh, has a, a cyber, uh, forearm, 
uh, she's in her mid forties. It looks like she goes, we should task the cares militia to help, uh, stand guard with this team of runners. The militia, while under armed and under trained can at least, uh, tip the scales perhaps in our favor. And Grundlefug nods and goes, it is a reasonable concept. However, I don't relish the thought of sending those men and women to die, which rest assured, we will be sending them to die. They are not prepared for this type of a fight. Mazashi Mako goes, it all sounds fine to me. (laughs) We don't need them. I like her. (laughs) Uh, And then a dwarf who seems like he's in his mid 80s, perhaps, goes, and who's to say we can trust this, these Crash 3.0 Shadowrunners? Where's their loyalty truly lie? Yeah, we came down here to your secret base to tell you about the world-ending spirit and brought you the Fountain of Youth because we're bad guys. Perhaps you have ulterior motives. Perhaps you want to get your hands on the on the Fountain of Youth again. You Why regret did- giving it to the care. That doesn't make any sense. Thank you. <laughs> uh- <laughs> Uh, a human female with cyber eyes of about 30 years old says, and who's to say that this is the care's fight? Perhaps we give, uh, what if we give these shadow runners, uh, the wellspring and, uh, give them some instruction on the ritual and, and wish them luck. We are safe down here. Why do we need to risk our people, our elders? The knowledge that we carry is, is far, uh, more important than the surface. We must look after the care first. Another human, uh, seems like she's in her 70s, says, Diana, such cruel thoughts. The, the care's existence is to protect the world from, from creatures like the Great Corruptor. Do you not remember the, the incantation to even enter our realm? But Grandmaster Grundlefug, I must protest. You are far too important. We cannot send you into the Great Corruptor's uh, uh, realm. You'll, you'll surely die sacrificing yourself there. No one can protect the care and the rest of the world in the ways that you can. This is, this is reckless. And Grundlefug says, I have borne the burden of my failure against the great corrupter. Two of my greatest friends died so that we may send her back. And for what? So that she could return? Never again. I will honor their sacrifice by laying down my life the way I should have all those years ago. So it's settled, then. We're going to take Mizashi Mako and Grandmaster Grundlefug and go kill a minor god. Major? I don't know. Uh, the dwarf uh, speaks up and goes, Dutch Elder Mizashi Mako to you. Oh, shut it, Durig! <laughs> I am in favor, says uh, Mizashi Mako. Uh, Elder Lug uh, says, It pains me greatly to say this. <laughs> and I fear for the lives of anyone who, go, who dares face the great corrupter. But I do agree, this seems the soundest plan, at least such short notice. Ramsey uh, crosses his arms and goes, Phew! Well, good luck, Elder Mako. And uh, Durig goes, Fine! If you want to kill yourself, so be it, Grundlefug. And uh, Diana says, I thought it was Grandmaster Grundlefug. <laughs> And they all kind of like, they like glare at each other. And then uh, uh, Grundlefug looks and he goes, are there any more objections? We are on somewhat of a timetable. And uh, they all kind of go silent. And uh, Grundlefug stands up and goes, then it is settled. Elder Mako and I will accompany you to the surface. 
and we will await the signs of the great corruptor's return. We will mobilize as quickly as possible to get within range, to use the wellspring as a weapon, and I shall distract the corruptor long enough that your friend Nim can complete the formula. Quick question. You mentioned you've got a vault here, and I asked, you know, do you have, like, a sword that kills anything? And you said no. But do you have, like, I don't know, like an axe for killing spirits or, you know, an ointment that makes you immune to radiation? I, you know, I'm just spitballing here off the top Isn't of my head. Isn't that what this um, katana is for? She draws out Cashmere's uh, old weapon focus, and there's a, <gasps> a, like, murmur across all of, the, uh, all of them. I slowly put it back. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Gronofa goes, that is quite a powerful weapon focus you have there. Oh, it's not mine. I'm just carrying it. I would imagine so. Unfortunately, any awakened artifacts will only be useful to those who are awakened. Like you and Mako and Nim? Obviously, <laughs> Elder Mako and I will arm ourselves to the best of our abilities. Uh, your friend Nim, I could search for something for her, but last I saw her, she seemed to have quite a few foci already. I don't know how it works. Am I crazy? Do we not grab everything we can? We must consider the fact that we may fall and these weapons may be needed in future fights. The how corruptor could get them. Exactly. Anything that makes her stronger makes it less likely that the second line of defense, those larger, greater beings that I do not fully trust won't be able to stop her. All right. I tend to be more of a throw-it-all-in-the-bag-see-what-you-need kind of guy. Uh, Mako stands up and goes, I'll get my glaive. That's all I need. <laughs> cool. I like her. The rest of you, you're weird. <laughs> uh, the dwarf, like, looks angry, uh, and um, uh, the Sashwash goes... Shocking to hear such words. <laughs> Still being extremely stoic. And, and, and uh, Grunderfell goes, now calm down, Master Luke. <laughs> Shall we inform your friend D'Artagnan and uh, his companion Echo that the, the battle is imminent? I do know that they feel they owe you a debt. Perhaps they could be of assistance. I mean, Echo is really more your friend than a whole friend. I feel comfortable asking D'Artagnan, but Echo, it seems like you should talk to Echo. Oh. You don't, you don't want to bring him? I don't. How are they going to help? Well, D'Artagnan's very good at swords, and Echo is cunning. Maybe we just let him know what's going on, and then if they decide to come with, <laughs> then they made the choice. That seems dubious, but okay. <laughs> you can find Echo and D'Artagnan uh, outside the Mazashi clan dojo. There we have made housing for the clones. Uh, Echo has finished uh, removing all of their programming, and they're slowly being reintegrated into society. Or at least the society as far as the care. If you'll excuse me, I need to prepare. And uh, Mako sets up. Stretches her arms, does a little, like, exercise, one to the left, one to the right. She's great. She's a treasure. We should protect her. <laughs> uh, and Grundlefug says, uh, Seneschal Faust, speaking to Ramsey, the human in his late 60s, you have the care while I'm away. And Faust, like, nods. 
uh, he goes, then this meeting is adjourned. Uh, I will meet you two at the pillars to exit. You can't see it, but I'm giving you a thumbs up. Okay, then. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Uh, and the uh, elders stand up and start uh, moving their way into their doors. And what do you two do? I would suggest we go find Echo and Dot. But I live in Mouse's pocket at the moment, so wherever <laughs> she goes, I end up there. <laughs> so, Will, is, is Isaac Boonins on the way to the dojo? Not really on the way to the dojo. It's kind of on the opposite side of the staircase leading up. Oh, okay. Um, so, I guess we'll go to the dojo first. Okay. Uh, yeah, you... Um, uh, you're there, and there's a new building, uh, fresh, freshly raised, uh, and you see, like, through one of the windows, you do see a clone, like, moving from one room to another. I knock. Uh, there's a bit of a pause, and then Echo opens the door. Oh! Hi! Hello. Um, welcome, please, come in. Oh, first word of warning, Bumbles is with me. He's not dead. He's just an AI now. I'm a ghost. Her eyes get wide and goes, an AI? A good, a good AI. I'm a, a ghost. A good AI. Yeah, apparently they exist. And you're sure it's Bumbles? I'm a ghost. Yeah. Mouse, I, I don't mean to... A technomancer looked at him. <sighs> Echo lets a sigh out and goes, well, it's not so much trouble an AI can get to in the care, so... Keep him away from the PAB units. <laughs> you don't gotta tell me. <laughs> Uh, and, uh, she goes, come in, I'll fetch D'Artagnan. And she leads you into, a uh, sort of like sitting room. It's got like a table, a bunch of books. Um, it's very like archaic in design, um, much like an old medieval house. Uh, and shortly after she leaves you there, she comes back in with D'Artagnan and, uh, he goes, mouse, it's, it's, a, it's good to see you again. Hi. Where's the rest of your team? Well, they're, Nim and Boomer are being decontaminated from radiation poisoning and then taking a nap. And Bumbles is right here. Hi, I'm a ghost now. Wait, what? Yeah, apparently he, Red Leader turned him into an e-ghost, which is a form of AI, but he's a good AI. We had a technomancer Th- look that's, at him. That's so cool. Right? <laughs> Everyone I've met has been like, well, is, is, are you sure? Can you trust he's an AI? This is so rad. Thank you for getting it. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. Well, congratulations, I suppose, Bumbles. Way to not die. Yeah, I got rid of that dumb meat body. <laughs> so... How is it we can we can help you? Uh, news has already begun to spread amongst the the amongst the care of a meeting of all the elders. Oh yeah, that that was us. What have you found out? So um, uh, it turns out, Kashmir was trying to find the Great Corruptor's true name so that he could banish her and then kill her on her metaplane, but he didn't have enough time, and he got eaten by his Thunderbird spirit, which is now a great form spirit, which three days ago set off to open a gate to the astral plane where the Great Corruptor dwells. So now us and uh, Elder Mako and Grandmaster Grundlefog are going to take the Fountain of Youth, kill a great form spirit, send the Great Corruptor back to its metaplane, and Grundlefog is going to go kill her. All right, I'll go get my katana then. See? We didn't, like, I feel good about this. <laughs> 
<laughs> Echo looks at D'Artagnan like, what do you plan to do, D'Artagnan? I don't know. Kill things. Surely the Great Corruptor will have other, uh, other entities than just a great form spirit that Elder Mako will need protection from. It's my duty. I'm, I'm Mazashi. And uh, Echo sits there and like, make, like, her eyes go wide. Like she, doesn't, she knows she can't argue this fight. And like sighs and goes, I sympathize with your fight. I, I truly do. And I want to help in whatever way I can. But if I die, then these clones are lost. They'll never learn the lessons that you and I have. Um, yeah. I don't know how much help I can be against an army of spirits or whatever the Great Corruptor is going to bring out. And D'Artagnan, you're throwing your life away by, by going in. Surely Grundlefug and Mako, Grandmaster Grundlefug and Elder Mako, whatever. Surely they can, they can handle this with, with uh, Mouse and her team. I, I don't want to lose you. He nods and goes, I understand. However, it is my duty and I will fight alongside Crash 3.0. In case you change your mind, we wouldn't, we wouldn't be upset. You did a lot of work <laughs> to get here, D'Artagnan. And, you know, gets the, the, the happy ending. So I know that everybody would love for you to be with us and, and Elder Mako definitely will need protection. But I wonder if you would consider maybe, you know, exfiltrating her and, and not staying for the whole fight. I think you bring some humanity to Echo. Echo doesn't look offended at that at all. <laughs> uh, she actually looks like she agrees with you. And uh, D'Artagnan goes, there is no happy ending in a world where I do not take up arms against the Great Corruptor alongside my master. I will come back to you, Echo, and I will protect Elder Mako. And that's it. I'll go get my katana. Uh, Echo goes with him. There's about ten minutes of waiting. D'Artagnan comes back armed and ready to go. Um, so we're just gonna swing by Isaac Boonin's. And just, he has like a mailbox or something. Yeah, he has a mailbox. Yeah, we're just gonna like drop the blood we didn't use <laughs> into the mailbox we with, should leave a note we, oh yeah nim nim gave me a note and i leave the note all right what's the note say nim and that says hey didn't end up needing to use this thought you might want it back uh didn't want it on my contents anyway <laughs> thanks again all right you wrap that around the vial of blood that isaac boonin gave nim and just slip it under his door and move along <laughs> There's no need to explain that to anyone. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And you guys make your way to the pillars? Yeah. Mm -hmm. You approach and you see uh, Elder Mako and Grand Grandmaster Grundlefug waiting for you. Grundlefug is uh, in uh, simple robes. Uh, he's wearing like uh, an amulet around his neck. And uh, Grandmaster Mako is wearing her recently, very, you can see, very recently dusted... Uh, uh, full-on samurai armor, and she has under under one of her shoulders. She has like the full like helmet with like uh, kabuki mask, like armored kabuki mask in front of it uh, that she's uh, that she's got under one arm, and then she's uh, holding her glaive in her other hand. And you notice, like as you get closer, like there's like these 
etchings and strange languages all along the armor. Mm-hmm. Neither of you want want this katana, right? You can borrow it. <laughs> My glaive will do just fine, says uh, um, Elder Mako. And Grunderflug shakes his head and says, it will be of no use to me. Okay. And uh, you guys go up to the top of the pillar and teleport out. <laughs> and Bumbles, you get uh, you get rebooted again as you get to the surface. Ah, what is this? Who are you? <laughs> <laughs> is he all right? Oh, that happened when we came in, too. I don't. Where am I? He'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> it takes like 15 minutes. I'll tell Spot to start. How did I get here? <laughs> and put him on mute. Okay, then. Uh, you guys climb into the armored SUV uh, w- that is Spot uh, alongside D'Artagnan and Grandmaster Grundlefug and Elder Mazashi Mako, both of which look weirdly out of place in the back of Spot. <laughs> Seatbelts, please. Right. <laughs> and uh, Grundlefug buckles himself in. Uh, Mako actually looks a little confused, and and uh, Grundlefug like kind of points at it, and she like looks at it on him and like nods and mimics what he did, and goes, "Okay, they're important. Most accidents happen within ten minutes of home." <laughs> 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 and uh, as you guys are driving, uh, Grundlefug seems to be like looking at like the Seattle skyline as it approaches. He seems to be just like soaking in everything a little bit. And he goes, it's been a while since I've been outside the care. I believe the last time Bumbles was when you were buying reagents from me. Yeah, that that turned out great, generally. I mean, not that you did anything. I just mean, in the grand scheme, those reagents were not put to use, if you know what I mean. Right. And he like looks at all the lights in downtown Seattle as you guys are getting closer to Bellevue. And he goes, it's interesting to think. How many souls there are in this city, and none of them know what's coming. Ignorance is bliss, I suppose. Even I can recognize the awkward silence, and I turn on the radio. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Freefall Phoenix, uh, <laughs> their new song, uh, uh, Fire of the Apocalypse. Uh, I crank it way the fuck up. Uh, Grundlefug seems kind of unfazed, if maybe just a little, like, eh, about it. Uh, Masashi Mako, like, she raises her eyes and, like, smiles and is like, this is good. You should see them live. They're great. <laughs> As you guys come pulling into, uh, the, um mansion it's you know the middle of the night uh nim and boomer you guys are briefly woken up as you hear like fire of the apocalypse uh blaring across the uh across the grounds as uh spot shows up with bumble's mouse grand grandmaster grundlefug and elder mako no as it huh what (laughs) (laughs) uh there's an awkward uh little Meeting between uh, Bryn and Grundlefug and Mako. Uh, Bryn seems like oddly nervous, <laughs> and uh, like is like, "Do you? I have there's spare rooms if you sleep. If you need sleep, I hi, um, welcome to Whitmore's Man. You can sleep next to me. I like that. <laughs> cool. Come on. And uh, Grundlefug uh, approaches Bryn and goes. You knew Lawrence Whitmore, yes? And uh, Bryn goes, yes, he, he raised me. And he goes, I'd like to learn more about this man. The man that inspired 
Crash 3.0 seems like a history worth knowing. And Bryn, like, nods and goes, yeah, uh, journal's this way. <laughs> and he leads, uh, leads Grendelfug into the library to talk to him about Whitmore overnight. And I assume Mouse and Bumbles, you guys rest. I mean, Bumbles, you only need to rest for three hours as an AI, but... Yeah, so um, Elder Mizashi Mako um, gets to sleep in the room that's not Doc's, but on the other side of me. And I ask and I help her set up because she doesn't sleep on a mattress and stuff. Yeah, D'Artagnan just picks out a random room and goes to sleep there. I mean, he was sleeping here before. Yeah. Yeah, he, but he never slept in the same room twice. <laughs> it's a nightmare for housekeeping. <laughs> uh, yeah, and the night passes without any incident. I would like to... I'm not a Matrix person, but I only sleep three hours. I would like to just Google important astral places. Sure. Bryn is talking to Grundlethug, yeah? Yes. I do it from the hub. Okay. <laughs> uh, so you pop into the hub... Uh, go ahead and roll, um, matrix search for me. The hub does give you a plus, uh, five to this. That's very good. Uh, that's six hits. Yeah. I mean, you get a pretty good list of, uh, areas of astral importance all over Seattle. Uh, problem is there's a lot of them. Like even narrowing it down, it's hard to say with absolute certainty, like where, the great corruptor might strike. You don't know her mind very well. I mean, there's, there's places of astral significance that have to do with radiation. There's places of astral significance that have to do with violence. There's places of astral significance that have to do with like, like just toxic dumps and, and like free spirits attacking. There's places where mana is thinner. There's places where mana is thicker. Are any of these places associated in any way with either Kashmir uh, Maria Silva's partner, or the other two names we got from Grandmaster Grendelthug. Cross-referencing all those things together, uh, you definitely are able, like, you kind of pick up on, like, where Bryn left off on, on cross-referencing between uh, the known victims of Kashmir. Um, and you kind of get sidetracked a bit for, the, uh, for figuring out where the Great Corruptor might strike. Um, and you you kind of just start gleaning a little bit more of the process with which she was gaining power. Um, you definitely, like, looking at the profiles that Bryn has made for these people, there's nothing that connects them. They seem almost random in nature. But you know that something like this is more methodical and not random, so there has to be something. And you just start getting into logic leaps, basically, and looking at, like who they attacked and what their history was with that and how they died and those kind of things. And you would think about how Kashmir behaved and stuff like that. And you really start to get the impression that like the great corruptor probably can only really reach one awakened person at a time. That's why it was just Jason. And then when Jason went down, she picked up Kashmir. Um, and it's people who are particularly weak uh, at the moment that she speaks with them. Uh, people who are overcome by fear or have like uh, have uh, overwhelming like anger or or things things that basically make them uh, susceptible to corruption. And in Kashmir's case, she played on his fears. In Jason's place, she played on his anger and his frustration with not being taken like seriously by his team. And uh, you kind of see similar things in the psych profiles of these other people. And you you think. Thinking back to like what Grundlethug said about how 
her plane of existence is kind of the gutter where all the astral residue of uh, bad thoughts, feelings, and actions of uh, metahumanity kind of go. You you assume that she can sense where those come from. She can like kind of ride those channels back to reach contact with those people, but only if this the connection is strong enough. Like when they're at their lowest, that's when she can she can tap them. And then they also do need to be very magically powerful. That's something you notice with these other two. They're not necessarily that powerful. Even Zachariah wasn't nearly anywhere as powerful as Jason and Kashmir. So you then think what she the process with which she gained enough power to really get to where she is now is after she tapped Kashmir she started just using him to just make people give in Kashmir's always been very persuasive he's always had both like natural mundane means to convince people of one thing and also magical means of controlling people's actions and he was using that to kind of be like an avatar of the corrupter for these people to make them go down these dark paths and do terrible things because every terrible action they act or every terrible thought they acted on gave the corrupter more power, which, you know, in turn, him doing that just made it like exponentially more of that astral residue floating down into the corruptor's realm so that she could eventually be strong enough to really just control Kashmir like a puppet. And, that's more or less what you're able to like just start put piecing together without really knowing where she's going to strike or anything like that because you, you there's just way too many options. There doesn't even have to be anywhere particular. You know, like looking up how gr- great form spirits draw astral energy or make astral gateways. They could do it anywhere. They don't necessarily have to go to somewhere that's of astral significance or where uh, there's like a mana rift already. Uh, if they're powerful enough, they can just choose a place and do it. Um, Obviously, it's easier in places where where they can gain benefits from the magical energies, but you're not sure how powerful Arago truly is. Cool. While Bumbles does that, uh, having to only sleep for three hours, everyone else gets a full night's rest. Um, you wake up, and Elder Mako is uh, is making breakfast. Oh, it's my day to make breakfast. Boomer, shh. Oh, you're up. Please help yourself. Thank you. That's very kind of you. Uh, I'm gonna elbow. I'm gonna elbow Boomer. Ah, I said thank you. (laughs) Um, Yeah, uh, she kind of fills you guys in on the plan as it stands, uh, including your role, Nim, as someone who, or as the person who is supposed to complete the formula. Right. Yep. Can can totally do that. Just need to say that. I can totally do that. I can totally do that. I can totally. You can totally do this. (sighs) Yep. I do believe that. Yep. Perhaps I can help. A voice comes from the other room and Grundlefug walks up and he goes, I've had many years to study the mysteries of Arcana. Uh, perhaps I can help you with the formula as you see it. It will also be useful for me if we're able to share some sort of astral link so that when you finish the formula and cast the Great Corruptor through, I can carry it with me to her plane so that I may slay her. Yes, that sounds like a good plan. I Yeah, I like that. All right, so you start getting uh, tutored by none other than Grandmaster Grundlefug uh, as he uh, teaches you a little bit about uh, arcane theory. So if we carry the mana from here... Yeah, yeah, and, and don't then... forget the remainder. Oh, my <laughs> But you get the impression, like, you're, you're getting, like, he's dropping all sorts of, like, knowledge on you, and you feel like you're just skimming the top of what this guy knows. Um, and he seems very, very good at 
simplifying it so that you can understand. Uh, and the day continues on. Is anyone trying to do anything? Uh, it's obviously the 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 air in the mansion is extremely tense. Hey, did Maria Silva ever come back? Uh, I mean, she's she said goodbye to Mouse. Um, she hasn't contacted you guys particularly. No. Okay. I mean, there was no intention for so basically in like the truck or in the ride with the clones leading to the care with the destruction of Project Zoria and her subsequent understanding of what happened to Zachariah as far as she could understand it. Um, she kind of like stopped her manhunt, her her like vendetta against Artanian, and because of that was able to more or less retain her job in Lone Star. Um She's more than at your disposal if you guys need anything, and she has voiced uh, an interest in the in the Great Corruptor as it is an entity that is responsible for the death of her partner, uh, but not really feeling like she can do anything uh, against the Great Corruptor. She's just starting to learn how to live with it. Um, but like, she's available to you guys. There's she's definitely a contact you guys all have. I guess I'll call her and just sort of fill her in, at the very least, to give her a warning that. Maybe the world might end soon. So, you know, stock up on bottled water, <laughs> non-perishables. Um, wow. Uh, God, I wish I could talk to the higher-ups about this and see if I could get anything mobilized, but I talked about a secret clan of assassins, and that was almost enough to get me shit-canned. I can't imagine trying to convince them that there's an extremely powerful, evil, toxic spirit about to enter the world. Are you guys going to be okay? Is this going to be Okay. Oh, you know, maybe. <laughs> we went to space once and that turned out fine. <laughs> Wait, you said you call yourself Crash 3.0? Yeah, did you just get it? What? <laughs> what? <laughs> what? But that's... You guys are going to have to explain that to me. Do you have the time? <laughs> I mean, yeah, sure. If there's five other interesting things going on at the mansion, I do that while I tell her the whole story of Crash 3.0, omitting details as necessary. Yeah. She believes you. I mean, everything you guys have ta- told her so far has seemed to be true. There's clones, at least. She knows that much. Uh, she definitely thought that you all, that whoever took down uh, the station was in league with uh, with Hellion. Um, she had no idea that Hellion was tied to you guys at all. Um, and uh, yeah, she basically uh, just is all ears and like really is like, you know, the more you know. <laughs> she she's shocked and also impressed. Knowledge Tell is power. <laughs> Tell her that that's how Boomer got that sweet scar on his face. Oh yeah, that's that's how Boomer got that that really sweet scar on his face. Oh, how is Boomer? He's very. W- you know what? Here, and I just connect them, oh. and then I back out of the call. <laughs> Still a great wingman. <laughs> <laughs> Boomer, hi. Oh, well, hello. Crazy, he's an AI now, huh? Wait. <laughs> what? Nobody told you? Start from the beginning. <laughs> and uh, you tell her the story of what happened down in Project Zoria. And again, she's flabbergasted and just at, like in awe of like the things you guys have achieved. So, yeah. And that's how I became the hero. Yeah. It's, it's amazing that you were able to carry uh, all those clones out. Um, <laughs> the poor broken legs. The poor broken clone legs. <laughs> You can hear her smiling. She doesn't believe your embellishments at all. <laughs> but she's playing along for fun. I mean, I'm probably making it up for fun, so whatever. 
Anyone else uh, achieving anything? Yeah. Um, I wanted to write down kind of everything we know about the Great Corruptor, kind of compile everything that we've gone through and what we know that way um, and have it be ready to upload if we don't come back. Sure. You can do that easy enough, and you have it queued and ready to send to the Denver Nexus uh, should you fail. Um, Boomer, a little bit into the conversation, Maria does have to go. She's uh, she's got uh, she's got to go into the office. She's got to work. Uh, so she says goodbye. She also uh, says we should get drinks sometime after you're done saving the world. Again, yes, I <laughs> I think we should. Uh, and she says goodbye. And then the day goes on more or less without any incident. Um, uh, it's only when like the sun is just finishing setting uh, that things happen. Uh, Bryn doesn't even call for like a team meeting or anything like that. He just immediately floods your AR with a video feed. Uh, and it's a news, it's a news report. Um, and it starts up. Reports are still coming in of the mana storm raging over the area of Redmond, known as Glow City. The cause of this terrifying phenomenon is currently unknown. Some theories circulating amongst specialists include a catastrophic meltdown of the Shiawaze power plant, an unhinged ritual from the mutated denizens of Glow City, or possibly even just a freak occurrence. Whatever the cause, Knight Errant and Lone Star have joined forces to create a perimeter around Glow City and the greater Redmond area in order to prevent traffic going to and from the Mana Storm. A comment from Knight Errant Chief Gideon McSheen indicates that the agency will be sending a team of awakened special forces to assess the situation and investigate the cause once the storm is over. Viewers need not worry. Mana storms, while unpredictable in nature, are harmless to those on the outskirts and often fade after a few hours of activity. In fact, reports show that this Mana Storm is... Uh, this manastorm in specific is less mobile than others recorded in the past, indicating, uh, indicating that it is truly a mild spectacle of no threat to the fine citizens of the larger Seattle metroplex. Until this situation is handled, you can expect Gridguide to deny transit anywhere near the Night Errant and Lone Star containment zone. Citizens are heavily encouraged to stay indoors until the storm has passed. Rest assured, the police are equipped to handle this, and you can stay tuned to this feed for any updates. I'm Guy Finnegan, and this has been the Ungilded <coughs> Eyewitness News brought to you by Horizon. And now, a, a word from our sponsors. And uh, it carries on to... Uh, you know, some advertisement for uh, for Evo Biometrics. <laughs> uh, during as soon as we got sent this, I'm already putting on my equipment and running to spot. Grundlefug, who's not part of the uh, uh, the DNI or anything like that, uh, he's he's talking to you, Nim. You you get this, but like you like close the feed and you see Grundlefug's like sitting there, like his eyes white, and then they fade back in uh, to their normal gold. And he goes, "It's begun." Okay, well, that's that's what we thought too. There were reports of a mana storm. I'm guessing that's what it is. Yes, I can sense it. I can imagine this will only last for a short period of time. The corruptor might be using the mana storm as a cover for her to feed. Now that she's entered this plane of existence, she needs to feed on the essence of the living so that she can fully gain her power in this plane. Uh, it will not take long. We need to move quickly. Let's go. I'm already in the garage. I'm going to go... Uh... Run to wherever Bryn is. 
Uh, he's uh, he's in the hub. Every screen of the hub is a different news feed reporting about this mana storm. Uh, you can see shots of it from uh, from outside of the Redmond line. It's off in the distance, but it's like this dark, unnatural looking current of clouds and uh, energy. And there's like that familiar yellow type of electricity, similar to what you saw within Eraga, uh, crackling around. Um, uh, but none of the, none of the newscasters seem to have a, a clear feed. Uh, a lot of the reports say like, you know, uh, investigation will, will impart as soon as the mana storm subsides, all essential personnel of the, uh, Shiawaze nuclear facility have been evacuated. Uh, matrix activity in glow city cut off completely unknown cause, um, will be, uh, will be determined by night errant as soon as the storm subsides, stuff like that. Okay. And um, he sees you come in and he goes, all right, when do we leave? You're not. What? You're staying here. What? There's nothing. I can't. I don't. The hub doesn't have a connection out there. I, I have to. I have to go with it. I mean, there's not even a matrix around there. It's a big black spot. I, I have to go and, and help. What do you? I'm not sitting this out, Mouse. You are. Why? Because if we don't come back, somebody's got to. Somebody's got to be here. This creature killed Whitmore through Jason killed my sister, killed Nim's mother. What? Why would I not fight it? Who, who? What kind of person am I if I can't try to avenge those that I've lost? You're a person who can see the bigger picture. That's the whole point of the hub. That's the whole reason why you carry on their mission. And maybe we'll come back. But, but you, you're more important as somebody who brings people together. Even, like, Boomer's guns, like, hardly did anything to Kiraga. And trust me, you can't do anything in the Matrix against them. What will you do? You'll sacrifice yourself and leave us? And leave everyone? This is as much my fight as it is yours. I know. But I can't stay to carry on the fight if we lose. All right, go ahead and roll negotiation. Cool. Uh, You can have a plus four to this. One hit. (laughs) He stands up away from the hub and goes, Mouse, I appreciate what you're trying to do here. I understand the gravity of the situation. Believe me. But I am not sitting this one out. And he moves towards the glass case where his, uh, where his guns and suit are held. So I've, I've been, like, corralling everybody, you know, shutting doors and, like, track lighting for the people who don't know the manor. <laughs> and I'll just pop over to Bryn and I'm like, oh, good, you're talking to Mouse. Um, oh, you're getting your stuff. Okay, you're a very good hacker. You're a very persuasive person. I know you think I'm crazy when I ask for torpedoes, but you could be very helpful if you could convince some people with very fucking big guns to point them at Glow City. Night Errant and Lone Saw are sitting out there thinking they've got a mana storm because they're going to believe all the corporate people who tell them it's fine. I don't know what you can hack. I'm sure you can hack a lot. Convince someone who matters to blow it the fuck up if we fail. That's the most useful thing you can possibly do. Favors like that don't come cheap, Bumbles. It's the end of the world. You can pay him back. Go ahead and roll negotiation. Uh, Mouse, you can assist. Um, and uh, Bumbles, you have a plus six to this. Okay, I'm going to pre-edge this. <laughs> cool. Two hits. I can be more useful on the ground, Bumbles. Look, I am in charge of this operation. I will call the shots... I'm going out in the field this time. Last time I sat out, you died. Well, I mean, yeah, but like all the other times you sat out, I was fine. Um, while, while he's distracted, arguing with Bumbles in his own head, 
Um, def- I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna stick him with some narco jet. You're gonna sneak up on him and stick him with narco jet. I mean, I'm already right next to him. Sure. And this was my plan. <laughs> you're gonna have to roll sneaking to not be noticed. I see where they're coming from, Bryn, but I support you and you <laughs> wanting to fight. I understand what it means to get revenge, to restore your honor. And Four, to, uh, which uh, is my limit. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he doesn't see it coming. <laughs> In fact, he like backs up towards you like uh, as he's like loading up a pistol and like cocking it and you just kind of jab him. <laughs> he's like, ah, what the? I'm sorry. Mouse, I... You're not coming. You're too important. I catch him. Uh, and you catch him with your with your uh, strong arm mm-hmm. and guide him down to the to the floor. And I carry him over to the couch. Sure. Yeah. You carry him over to your couch in the hub. Yeah. And lay him out. Yep. And he's asleep. I write in very big letters across all of the screens in the hub. Call someone with big guns who matters and convince them to point them at Glow City. <laughs> Uh, all right. Well, uh, I wasn't involved in this. Br- uh, Bumbles, you hop into your walker body, which is already in spot. Mouse, you exit the mansion. Uh, spot is there. Uh, Grundlefug, Mako, Nim, Boomer all loading up. What do you guys do? On the way out, I want to stop by the kitchen and put one of the pictures I took from Jason's room on the fridge, dead center. That is like a picture of all of us, mm-hmm. of... Anna and Jason and Bryn and Whitmore and L'Oreal and me. Yep. All together. Cool. Yeah, you pin that up there and you head out. I'm going to call Yama. Boomer. Hey, Genriga, save the world again. I saw that mana storm and I thought I should expect a call from you. <laughs> it's all right, Chama. All right, same deals last time. Drinks afterwards. Of course. Do you need any help? I mean,. You got any big guns or some heavily armored chummers that could come in and fight a, a toxic spirit? Uh, excuse me, what was it called, Nim? The Great Corruptor? No, well, kind of. Great Corruptor, uh, Great Form, Spirit, whatever. Yeah, that too. I don't know if I can speak for my men, but I'd be damned if I'm not going to join you in this fight. You don't get another story to tell me. We get a story to tell others at the bar. Together. Tell me where to meet you. Glow City, I'll send you our coordinates when we get there. Uh, mown some rad's shielding of some sort. I'll collect what I can. Glow City, there's a containment zone around there. How do you intend to get through? <laughs> Frank, if I know. <laughs> the, the nerds are smart. They'll, they'll think of something. No offense. <laughs> well, we're going to call Maria. Oh, okay. Yeah, we got a way in. See? Thanks, Mass. Also, I'm not a nerd. You're yeah, a nerd. Is. Tell me where to meet you, and I'll go through the containment zone with you. I tell him where we're going. Yeah, and he coordinates to, to meet up with you guys. I start taking us towards Redmond. I need to call Magnitude, though. Okay. It rings a little bit, and then, yeah, Bumbles, wait, Bumbles? <laughs> yeah, I'm a ghost now. Don't worry about it, it's fine. Let's move on, there's bigger things at play. What, like an AI or something? Yeah. All right, keep going. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, okay, you've looked up, yeah? Yeah, there's a fragging mana storm d- uh, south of my block. Okay, so, um, I don't know if you've ever heard of an Unraveler. It's an ancient, evil, toxic spirit. It's got a great form spirit that it's using to open an astral gate. Um, we're gonna go stop it. Can I borrow that hellhound I, s- I-, I sold you? Yeah, about that, Bumbles. 
the hellhound's seen better days. It's not ready for action right now. Ah, oh, damn. Okay, well... Look, I'm really sorry. I just... Hey, you know what? It's your hellhound. You don't have to apologize to me. I'm sad for you. <laughs> but also me, because we're gonna go kill a minor god. Um, you might want to leave Redmond. Leave Redmond? This is my home, Bumbles. Ain't no fragging spirit gonna drive me out of it. I got people to look after. I'm gonna try and make sure they get away from that fragging mana store. Make sure you can lay down hellfire if you need. Little, as little collateral damage as, uh, as possible. That's great. Radiation shielding. If you've got it, put it on. Roger. <laughs> I'll talk uh, to you later. He, uh, as he's hanging up, he's like, yo, guess what? Bumbles is an AI now. And he hangs up and, <laughs> and someone else is like, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to call Doc. Uh, rings a bit and then uh, picks up. Uh, this is Doc. Mouse? Hi. Um, you need to come to the manor. Okay. Bryn is unconscious. What what happened? Um, I knocked him out with Narcojet. What? And then left. What what did what did he do? Nothing. <laughs> he wanted to come with us and we decided that he didn't get that choice. That sounds like Bryn uh well okay, wait, hold on. Come with you where? <laughs> um, to the mana storm. What? I'm watching that on the news right now. What are you doing? Yes, yeah, not really. I mean it is a mana storm, but it's <sighs> So we rescued all the clones, like I said, like I told you last. And then and then it turns out that we've also been working on this whole cashmere angle. And it turns out that that toxic spirit that kind of poisoned him and stuff is coming through a rift in the middle of the mana storm. So we're just going to kill hit that and Iraga and then come home. Maybe. I love you. Isn't there a time where you guys can just sit back and let someone else do this? No. <laughs> Obviously, I don't need to try to tell you to be safe because there's nothing safe about what you're trying to do. It's okay. I'm just going to hold a magic artifact and point it at things. <laughs> Can't wait, wait to hear the explanation on that. I'm going to go see the Bryn. You come back. I'll try. I guess I can't ask for anything more than that. I love you. I love you, too. Also, don't let him leave. Oh, he's not getting fragging anywhere. Also, I dropped a crystal... Um, next to him on the couch. If you pick that up, that would be good. Uh, sure. I'll look for something. He'll, he'll know what to do with it. Okay. Okay. I also want to send Bryn a text. Sorry, I didn't say goodbye in person. I thought it'd be too hard. Mouse did the right thing. You know, dad was always right about that stuff. Take a look at the fridge when you get a chance. Love you, pretty bee. All right. And, uh, you guys, uh, are getting closer to Redmond, uh, and Yama pulls up behind. He has a chrome silver sports car, uh, a little bit, a couple classes up from the Euro Westwind. He, he comes up behind you, tailing you. He's got like lights underneath it. Okay. <laughs> it's Yama, don't worry. This is news. <laughs> oh, by the way, Yama's helping us out. Um, I'm gonna call Maria Silva. The line picks up. Uh, go, go secure those. Uh, go batten down those over there. You get that drone ray up and running. Uh, I got to take this. It's the sergeant. And then there's a pause. And then, yeah, mouse, I expected I would hear from you guys. Yeah. Where are you? Can we come through? Yeah. These are my coordinates. I've already got it set. You can drive right through. I've cleared spot for uh, for passage. They won't they won't stop you. They think that you're special forces. OK, we also have a bright silver car behind us. Wait, what? Sorry. <laughs> also a cloaked Eurocar Westwind. Okay. That I, one they maybe won't see. So maybe you don't have to tell them? 
Might as well just let them know there's three vehicles coming through. Sure, yeah. We're special forces. We're very important. Right. They'll just think it's Shadowrunner bullshit. They usually do. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, you guys just come to these coordinates. You can drive straight through. Thank you. It's the least I can do. Good luck. You too. Hey, tell Boomer he still owes me that drink. Boomer, you still owe Maria a drink. I know, I know. I'll, he, he says he knows. Thing, he just has to do I'll this be thing. Right back. He'll be right back. She chuckles and goes, all right, I'll see you guys when you pass through and hangs up uh, as she does. She goes, no, 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 no. Connect these cords to that tower. It's going to give you a better signal. Jesus, do I have to do everything myself? Click. What a woman. <laughs> uh, you guys drive up to Redmond. You see just Lone Star and Night Aaron has brought out everything. Uh, you see helicopters and uh, uh Vertical takeoff and landing aircrafts floating above, like basically making a wall all around uh, Redmond, cutting off anyone who wants to come through. And as you guys actually pass through, uh, Maria kind of like catches your eye. You guys pass through. You see that there's tons of cars wanting to come through towards anywhere but Redmond. And all of them are stopped. And like the police are not letting anyone through. Um, And it's only because Maria cleared a road for you that you guys don't have to just like go up against a wall of like vehicles and people walking. And there's tons of, there's like riot gear, police officers, mostly night errant that are like throwing tear gas down and keeping the crowds at bay so that they can't cross out of Redmond. And you guys continue forward and you see the mana storm off in the distance getting bigger and bigger. Uh, and uh, uh, you can see the slight irradiated glow of glow city uh a a part of redmond that housed an old reactor that went bad uh and uh while a new reactor was made nearby uh ramshackle uh uh squatter towns built up around the old one and most of the people that live there now are mutated uh due to the radioactivity there is it typical for um for night errant to set up a perimeter like that quarantined or is that because of, of glow city you get the impression it is pretty typical it's for it's, a mana storm it's typical not, not even just for a mana storm something terrible is happening in redmond and they don't care that's the impression you get like they want to protect the parts that they think are actually seattle and they don't want any of those refugees coming running through and like and ruining like the nice neighborhoods like Renton and, and such. So they have like they're creating a perimeter to contain the situation and make sure that it doesn't spill over out of Redmond. Uh, they, that's why that's your impression as to why they're doing that. Uh, on top of that, you do understand that like like going into a man storm at all is like madness. And uh, uh, it's not completely unreasonable that Knight Errant has chosen to try and wait this one out with the hopes that they can, you know, clean up the mess afterwards. Uh, because simply casting a spell in a mana storm can be unpredictable. Uh, and you guys start barreling down. You see uh, the uh, clouds. Uh, everything is getting darker and darker as you approach. And for a second, you think you see one of the clouds way, way off in the distance kind of swoop down in the shape of a bird and swoop back up into the rest of the clouds. And uh, that's where we'll end this session. This podcast has been brought to you by ENPC Productions. All rights reserved. The Essential NPCs podcast is not affiliated with, endorsed, sponsored, or specifically approved by the Tops Company Incorporated. Shadowrun is a trademark of the Tops Company Incorporated.
All rights reserved. Go to www.shadowruntabletop.com for more information.